This is the Delivery Space podcast. Whether you're interested in software delivery, business change or transformation, we've got some great content lined up for you. We launch into different areas of project delivery and bring you those insights and experiences that you don't get from a book. Welcome, it's Sharon and Nisha. This is episode number one on Resistance is Human. Hi Nisha. Hey Sharon, how are you doing on this first day of spring? Really good, really excited and looking forward uh, to speaking with our lovely guest today. Hey Karen, welcome to the delivery space. Thank you, Nisha. Thank you, Sharon, for inviting me and happy spring, everybody. Yay. So uh, Karen, thank you so much for joining us. I am going to uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you. So guys, Karen is on a mission to activate people to create a kinder, better world. She's an artist, an internationally acclaimed speaker, award-winning author, consultant, coach and practitioner. Karen is one of the founding mothers of Women in Lean, Our Table, a global group of almost 1,000 women lean practitioners. Impressive, huh? Karen is also founder and president of the Love and Kindness Project Foundation, a registered public charity and the New School for Kind Leaders. She has created both of these initiatives to help people around the world think, speak, act and lead more kindly. Karen is a published author several times. Her sixth book, which captivated me, The Kind Leader, is a practical guide to eliminating fear, creating trust and leading with kindness. It's now available, so please go and get yourself a copy. Karen, this is a great set of experience behind you, and there are some awesome projects there that you are carrying out simultaneously. How are you finding the time to do all of this? (laughs) Thank you. You know, I think uh, all of the work that I've done in Lean has really helped me with that. It's not good time management. It's really understanding what my purpose is, what the priority is, and planning ahead deliberately to have enough uh, time to do all of those different things. Well, Sharon and I are in awe of the fact that you have got so many spinning plates, but you manage them all with grace. So we look forward to hearing kind of how you do that and, and having you back um, to, to kind of share your gems as well. Um, we want to talk to you today about resistance in the workplace. And we, Sharon and I remember talking to you months ago now about um, experiencing resistance, especially in projects, especially in the delivery space. Um, and often in work situations, we come across that resistance interpret that as negative. You've got a different perspective on this. Would you like to share that with us? Absolutely. And I'm sure anybody who's had the experience of leading a project, leading a agile team, leading a, you know, lean implementation or transformation, everybody's had the same experience that we're super excited We know the benefits it's going to bring for the people who are doing the work, for the customers, for the company. And we go and we uh, take our excitement and our enthusiasm to the people who we're asking 
to make a change, do the work, work in a different way. And we aren't met by that excitement and enthusiasm. What we are is met by people who are like, you want me to do what? When? But I've always done my work this way and things, even if they actually aren't going fine, when we ask people to make a change, oftentimes they cling to the old way. And the problem is that we who are so excited and enthusiastic about bringing this change to people often then categorize the people who don't automatically want to jump on board or who state their uh, worries or opinions that we think are negative. We think, oh my goodness, those people are resisting, right? Here's what we're supposed to be doing. Or the company says, this is what we're going to be doing. And now they're resisting. And as people, it's not surprising if we have an idea and we want, we're tasked you know, with getting people to do something and someone doesn't want to do it, we also tend to take it personally, right? Now we're like, oh no, people yeah. don't want to do what I want to do. They're resistant and we feel that's super negative. But I really want people to think about it, that it's not negative. Resistance is simply human. We have something called negativity bias that's wired into us. So from ancient times, we don't want to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. So we've learned to actually think about all the, the negative possibilities of all new things first. So when we present something new to people, we need to remember this, that everybody, to a certain extent, their first impression is going to be negative. And they're going to say, no, I don't want to do this. So we should not take that first, no, I don't want to do this, negatively or personally. We shouldn't say, oh, resistance, they're, they're resistors, which really isn't kind to label somebody. We should say, oh, they're human beings and they're actually just acting like human beings. Often I've found in those sorts of situations, the people that are resisting are actually trying to tell you something helpful, but you need to ask the right questions to tap into that, right? Because it might mean in a in a delivery scenario that you've um that 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 you've missed something or you're overlooking something or they've tried something in the past that may not have worked. Um, and if they can see you going down that path, okay, it may not be a stylish way of communicating that to you, but their resistance is usually a symptom of something that they're trying to communicate, right? Exactly. And when you think about it and you think about this negativity bias that we all have built in and we're looking, we're scanning the horizon constantly for things that might be threatening to us, unsafe. So when someone asks us to do something differently, it can bring up a lot of fear, right? And we may not even be conscious of that. Mm -hmm. And when people are afraid, they react in one of three ways, fight, flight, or freeze. And I'm sure people have heard that all of the time. So when we say, okay, we're going to work in this new way, and people have an argument or they tell us, it's impossible, we can't do this, we can't do that because of, okay, now I look at that and I say, oh, there's an example of fight. But actually the person who's saying that 
is actually telling you their truth, right? From their point of view, they cannot do those things because of those reasons. So instead of labeling them a resistor, which isn't kind, we should actually pay attention and help them to overcome those kind of things. The second possibility is flight. So oftentimes we say, okay, we're going to work on this project. We're going to set up some, uh, you know, agile teams, etc. And suddenly you find even if you put a meeting on someone's calendar, they cancel the meeting or they don't show up. That's flight, right? People are running away from something so they don't have to do it. When we see that, we need to think to ourselves, oh, this person's experiencing fear. What can I do to make them less afraid? Let me go and do this with them. Let me find a time to spend extra time with them. Oftentimes, if we think someone's a resistor and we take it personally, we just want to push them away, right? But whereas what they actually need is our time and attention and kindness. And of course, the last one we might see is freeze. So someone might say they're going to do something and they say, we say, okay, we'll meet back with you in a week. We go back and it's not done. They're not fighting. They're not running away. They're just not doing it. We come back the next day and it's next day or the next week. And it's again, not done. It's like they're frozen, right? They might want to do it. They might have all the best intentions, but again, because of fear, they just can't get started. So again, in that case, instead of actually labeling someone as a resistor, taking it personally and then leaving them, what we should do is we should kindly say, could I just sit down here with you and we can do it together? Right? Let me help you. Let me give you a hand. Wouldn't that be a lot nicer? Yeah. And I love the way that you... um almost take a step back and you are showing empathy and almost putting yourself in that other person's shoes and understanding that okay this is a new ask I'm asking something perhaps outside their comfort zone so it's understandable that that person may have fear and you've described there that okay what can I do I might need to work a bit more closely with that person so I love the conscious way that you kind of break it down so it's not a personal thing of they won't do what I say (laughs) exactly and it really is that empathy And it's super important for us to remember that we have that negativity bias too. And in order for us to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, we simply need to look back and think about situations in which someone's asked us to change and we've had an argument with them or we've procrastinated, right? Have you got any advice for those situations where we feel like we're facing that resistance, but we want to make sure that we can move forward in a positive manner, working with the teams to still meet our goals? So we'd we'd love to hear what advice you've got in those scenarios. Okay, and that's a wonderful question. So the very first thing that I would suggest is actually to start with ourselves and take a step back. And remind ourselves, this isn't something that I need to take personally. This is human. And then I'd also suggest that we sit down with the team and we explain to them that resistance is human. 
that this is something that we all have as part of us as negativity bias. And actually labeling people anything isn't kind. And to explain to them and teach them what to look for, for fight, flight, and freeze. And that when they see that, they can start to say to themselves, oh, that person is afraid of something. The kind human thing to do would be to say to the person, I noticed you've missed some meetings. Is there something you're worried about? Is there something that's making you nervous? That's part of, you know, the way people act if they're worried about something or they're afraid of something. How could I help you overcome this? And that's actually not only going to solve the immediate problem, it's really good role modeling for those people because when they work with other people, chances are they're going to uh, run into this uh, negativity bias as well. It's just part of being human. Yeah, br brilliant. And I think that's a really good um, reminder for, for even myself because there is a natural tendency, you know, if there is that resistance, you can tend to take it a little personally. But the way that you've described those logical steps that you work through uh, is a really good reminder to just, no, it's not personal. Take that step back to analyse why the person may be reacting the way that they are. So I'm going to uh, take that on board myself. So thank you, Karen. <laughs> You're welcome. And the thing to remember is this works super well at home as well. And what we teach people at work they take home. So you can think to yourself if your partner or your spouse or sometimes your kids want you to do something or we ask them to do something and <clears throat> we get this same thing that we think about as resistance. They're human beings too, right? So we could take a step back and we could think to ourselves, gee, you know, mm. everyone wants to do well. Everyone wants to contribute. People come to work, they're in our families, they want to contribute. So if they're having a reaction that's stopping them from contributing and doing their best, really we need to think about why that would be and what we could do with kindness to help them. Absolutely. That's so helpful. Karen, you've given us some tools to go and practice right there with teams that Sharon and I lead, right, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, how how has this worked out with teams that you've actually led and, and teams that you've worked with on your day-to-day -day basis? Can you share some experiences with us? That would be really useful to us and it will also be useful to our listeners to give confidence that this type of approach, um, you know, where, where you are not wanting the team to be destabilized, but wanting the team to understand the reasons behind the resistance and the fact that they're not to run from it, right? Having that conversation, how does that, how has that worked with the teams that you've, you know, that you've been working with? I was in a improvement event and there were probably about eight or 10 people and we had three or four days. And at the end of the first day, I could see one of the people on the team who was, and, and this person happened to be the most senior person on the team. And I could see that they were getting upset. I could see that 
she was starting to, you know, you can tell you people have their, literally their backup. <clears throat> and other people were offering suggestions. Other people were talking about what was happening in the current state. And she would constantly say, no, 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 that's not it. And you could see that the rest of the team was getting frustrated. So at the end of the day, I actually talked to her and I said, hey, I'm no, this is what I'm noticing. And it's like actually out of character for you. Can you, can you tell me what's going on? And then she said, you know, I'm the person who actually created this process. And even though I didn't think I was really going to, you know, care so much about keeping it the same, I realize that actually, even though I know that there's lots of things that don't work, that it's hard for me to let go. I'm the person who created it. It worked for a long time. And then she said, I'm really the informal leader of this team. So I understand that the way I act is what other people are going to do. So let me go home. I'm going to sleep on this tomorrow. I'm going to adjust my attitude. I'm going to think about what the customer needs. And tomorrow I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk to the team and explain to them what I'm feeling and then let them know that I'm the person who really needs, even though I created this process, to lead the change. And she did. And the thing is, oftentimes, and I'm sure we've all experienced it, the person who seems to be the most resistant turns out to be the biggest champion. If we just label them as a resistor and think all kinds of negative things about them and say, okay, let's just kick them out of the event or kick them off the team, we lose all of their good ideas. Instead, treat them with kindness. You don't have to call them out in front of a whole group. Sit down, ask them, and then listen with open eyes, open ears, open mind, and an open heart, as I always say. And oftentimes, they'll come to that same understanding. Then the group moved forward and created a fabulous whole different process. And there were six people who actually worked on that team <clears throat> over a series of events. They figured out ways to get the same amount of work done by two people. Four people actually got promotions and went to work in different parts of the organization. That's amazing. That is a fully turned around situation by your insight and effectively the humanity that you display. I think we all have to, it's, it's just um, so hard to, rem it's yeah. so, I'm going to put, it's not hard to remember. It's easy to forget that the people who work with us and who work for us mm -hmm. are human beings and they want to do well. And if we only focus on the thing, okay, we have to have this done by this day, we forget to treat people like human beings. And when we treat them with like human beings and with kindness, people grow and blossom, right? Instead of shutting down, they grow and blossom. Mm -hmm. And then we're able to do more than we thought we were going to be able to. Yeah, and, and you can surpass everyone's expectations the environment you described there you must have seen the team thrive after you effectively you've created a an environment of psychological absolutely. safety absolutely psychological safety 
and trust. And I think it's super important for us to remember nobody is mm. perfect. People aren't perfect. And we don't know when what we're going to suggest is going to strike a nerve with someone. We don't know what's happening oftentimes in people's home life. Maybe there's just a lot going on. Maybe they have a sick relative. Maybe there's a lot of stress between, you know, their partner or spouse. And now when they come to work, this is like the last thing, right? <laughs> it's just yeah. one last thing. <laughs> so instead of assuming the worst, this person is resistant and is going to sabotage this project and doesn't want to do this. Instead of assuming the worst, why don't we assume positive intent assume the best and for us we have to work on that constantly ourselves right because we have the negativity bias so we're going to think oh no this person is trying to prevent us from what we need to do but i think you're right um karen because i mean if we look at the workplace scenario most people do want to do a good job, don't they? I, 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 I doubt that people will deliberately try and go to work just to be resistant and disruptive. I think most people are going and they do want to do a good job. So by us using these labels, it, it is unkind, really, isn't it? We're putting people in a box. It is. And we don't know what that label is going to do to someone or how that label is going to stick with someone for how long. And when we're, we're in the leadership, as I call it, we have our leader hat on. If we're leading a project, if we're leading a change, people look to us for how to act and how to treat other people. If we act with kindness, if we use our empathy and compassion, if we ask questions, if we assume positive intent, that's what other people learn when they're in the same, same, they're wearing their leader hat. If we blame people, if we call them resistors, if we push them to the side, that's also what people learn. But that's not what I want. That's not what I want people to learn. <laughs> That is not yeah. what I want them to learn. Absolutely. We have to be conscious, don't we? Sorry, Nisha. Like a, yeah. No, not at all. It's it's um it's a very cyclical thing that you've just described there, Karen. Um, you know, the the fact that we we consciously or unconsciously we mimic behavior that we see other leaders exhibit, right? Um and if at some time some terse behavior or some harsh words or seems to be having the impact that that leader wants, it's likely that we will see that and hopefully not, but I have seen it happen. We, the, that kind of behavior is mimicked. Now, I think there's a, there's a cycle there. How can we best break that cycle as leaders? How can we stay in the present more how can we um how can we be in tune with ourselves a lot more karen so that we we check ourselves because you're you i know your book has got some gems in there um share well, those with you. us and, please uh, thank you for mentioning the kind leader book i really 
work with so many people who ask me this all of the time, right? We have the best intentions, then we go to work and we get caught up in this same cycle. First of all, I call it the vicious circle of fear, right? So yeah. we, we act and react okay. in ways that are based on this negativity bias and what's happened in the past. As a leader, and especially when you're put in a formal leadership role, so if you're going to lead a project, right, so this that you don't have to have a vice president uh, title or anything, but you're in a role where you're going to lead people, it's super important to say to yourself, here are the three things that I need to do, think kindly. First of all, I'm going to intentionally place uh, my time to assume positive intent. Then the thing is, I'm going to check my thoughts frequently. How am I going to do that? Well, here's one thing that I do. A lot of you may know that I wear all these bracelets and think it's a fashion statement. But actually, they all say different things. This says create. This one on this hand says purpose. This one is my love and kindness bracelet to remind. This one says kindness is my religion. All of these things, when I look down, they're visual reminders. We like a lot of visual reminders in Lean, also my little love and kindness button. To remind mm -hmm. me that I need to take time to check my thoughts. You also need to, and I, I'd suggest everybody spend time doing this, thinking about what are the things that trigger you emotionally, right? That maybe for someone... It's if they're in a situation where someone interrupts them, then they're going to, you know, feel overwhelmed emotionally. Maybe it's somewhere where they're talking and their leader actually suddenly picks up their phone and doesn't pay attention to them. Because when we feel emotional, it's going to be harder for us to actually pay attention to our own thoughts and stop that cycle of negative thinking and assume positive intent. So learn those things about yourself. And then when you're in a situation in which maybe somebody interrupts you or somebody isn't paying attention to you and they're checking their phone instead, notice and say, okay, I know this is a situation in which I'm gonna to start to assume negative intent. So I'm gonna call a timeout and I love this timeout signal and I use it all the time. And I'll say to someone, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself in timeout. I'm not gonna put you in timeout like a child. I'm gonna put myself in timeout because I need to calm myself down and actually write down all the negative things I'm thinking and beside them write down all the positive intent that I could think of instead. And then when I feel better, I'm gonna connect with you and we can get back together. And then that's what I do. And again, this gives the model to other people of what they should do to work on this, right? We are all human. None of us perfect, all of us human. That's very powerful, isn't it? What what you've, like those that. steps it, that you've it, described there, yeah. um, you showing leadership with so much self-awareness that you have the self-awareness to say, I need to take a time out. I need to reflect. And then you reapproach the situation. Yes. And then, you know, 
you're going to see people throughout your organization saying, time out, time out, just a minute. I need to, to take a moment, right? I need to. And what's wrong with that? What is somehow some. Well, you know what, Karen, it's better than biting someone's head off, right? Or getting into an emotional back and forth. Um, it's so much better just being able to take that distance, have have create that distance so that you can compose yourself and find the words. Often in the heat of a situation, you're not able to find those words because exactly. you might freeze. Or you might fight, right? And say something that you absolutely mm -hmm. wish yeah. that you hadn't said. So I think that it's best that we talk a little bit about what would happen if that occurred. Because I'm sure we've all been in situations where <laughs> yes. we're frustrated, we think someone is being resistant, we say something to them that really we then might later regret and think, well, that wasn't the kindest thing I've ever said, right? And that really wasn't the model I'd like someone else to take from leadership. Right. In that case, the best thing to do is actually go back to the person and apologize and say, hey, I was triggered by this particular thing. I said something I shouldn't. Here's what I'm doing to work on myself so this doesn't happen again. Because just saying I'm sorry isn't enough. We have to give the person the steps that we're taking. I call it making amends right, that we're going to take to work so that this doesn't occur again. And then explain that this is what happened. And I think so often we get into trouble at work because people just act in a certain way. And they never go back and say to the person I was wrong. And as leaders, especially in a leadership position, oftentimes we might not want to do that. We'll think someone will think we're weak. I don't think that's weakness. That takes an unbelievable amount of strength to go to someone and say, hey, I was wrong. Right? I was wrong. Yeah. And here's what I'm going to do to fix the problem. To me, that's yeah. a model of unbelievable yeah. strength. Absolutely. We almost need yeah. to um, unlearn, I guess, previous behaviours, because oftentimes it is seen like what you've just mentioned, Karen, as a sign of weakness by people. But it's it does take incredible strength to say, I actually have made a mistake. I apologise. And this is how I'm going to do things differently going forward. That to me is a kindness. And it does take incredible strength and self-awareness. I agree. And I love that you use the term unlearn, right? Because oftentimes we go to organizations. This happens to me all the time. They say, okay, we want to be a lean organization or we want to be a kind organization, whatever it is. How long is it going to take us? And I say, well, how long have you been in business? How long have you had the culture you've had? And they'll say 35 years. And I said, well, how long do you think it should take for you to learn this new culture? And they say, oh, by the end of the year. And I'm like, I don't think that's reasonable because we're going to have to unlearn 35 years. First, we're going to have to unlearn the old behavior, right? 
And now we're going to have to learn yep. the new behavior through practice. Yep. So probably not going to take you 35 years, but it's going to take you longer <laughs> than six months. And we have to have patience with ourselves. We have to have patience with others, right? We got to unlearn first and then learn the new. So I love that you said that. Oh, thank you. Karen, we touched on before your book. So I know that you're an accomplished author. And in fact, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is your sixth book. So The Kind Leader is um, the sixth book that you have um, published. There it is there for everybody just, to see and purchase. There it is. <laughs> and we would love to know what your motivations were behind writing this book. So do, do share, do tell us. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and you're correct. The Kind Leader is my, my sixth book. And after the first book, Toyota Way to Service Excellence, that I co-authored with uh, Jeff Liker, I received many, many uh, invitations to uh, speak at conferences and teach workshops all around the world. And as I was traveling to all of those different places, I saw a lot of unkindness. And then throughout the pandemic, I saw even more unkindness. I saw many kindnesses too, but I saw leaders who acted in very unkind ways. And I saw the combination of unkind leadership and unkind action. And I realized that failures of leadership and failures of kindness put together have disastrous consequences for all of us. And actually we're seeing one of those disastrous consequences right now. In the end, we have a war. People are dying. Yeah. And I'm the kind yeah. of person who, when I see a problem, I think someone should do something about the problem and the someone is me. And I decided that I would write a book and the book is not just theory. There's theory in the book, but the book is written as a practical guide. So there's exercises throughout the whole entire book. So you can practice so you can unlearn the old unkind ways that you might have unconsciously taken in from leaders that you've had in different leadership systems you've been in, whether it's an educational system, you know, a business organization, we all get those ideas about leadership from somewhere. And so it's practical ways for you to think kindly, speak kindly, and act kindly when you have your leader hat on. And so that you can practice that. So that way, instead of creating and replicating the vicious circle of fear, we actually create a virtuous cycle of trust. And trust is when we believe our leaders have our best interests at heart, not just their own. So that was my my motivation for mm -hmm. uh, for writing the book. And the thing that's that's really just been totally amazing for me is how many people have read it, how many people have joined the Kind Leader Guided Book Club. So the fact that people are practicing and it's resonating with them and they're sharing it with others because that's the way we're going to create a better, kinder world for all of us. Absolutely. The Kind Leader Book Club. Um, there's a, the next cohorts on the 31st of March, right? I'm going to sign up for that because I missed out in the in the winter one. So the spring cohort is coming. I am going to be right there. Well, thank and you. I can't and wait. It, it's super fun because 
Um, it's one 45-minute session a week, so people will read along, and then they'll get some insider stories and guided learning from me, and then you'll have practice partners to get together with because we all know it's easier to practice with other like-minded people to help us stay on track. And um, if people can't join for every session, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Right. You can, <laughs> it's a book club. It's not, it's not a course. It's not a workshop. And as we do everything for uh, Karen Ross Consulting and the New School for Kind Leaders, it's right size pricing. So if you, everyone who goes on to sign up, will see that, you know, whatever is comfortable and affordable for you, that's perfect for, for uh, our book club. Hmm. That's great. Thank you, Karen. The one thing I just want to point out about the book, and it really made it come to life. I was telling Sharon this before you joined us, actually, and that is the fact that you approached everyday folk that are involved in the delivery space, that are involved in leadership to volunteer their scenarios, their experiences. And obviously they're anonymized in the book, but they came to life knowing that they were everyday scenarios from practitioners like us, Sharon and I, and others, peers of mine, leaders of mine that I really respect. I, I just love the fact that you included all of those I could actually look through that and identify directly with certain Absolutely. scenarios. Absolutely, and there were there were so many people who were so kind to share their stories and share their experiences and put up their hand and say, I'd like to share this because it will help other people. And also put up their hand and say, I'm not sure how to deal with this. Mm. You know, could you <laughs> could you help me think this through? And then those stories became part of the book as mm. well. Nobody is perfectly kind all the time. Nobody leads with kindness perfectly all the time. Nobody knows what to do in every situation all the time. But we can reach out and we can ask for help. And we can figure out. We can help each other, right? We don't have to think that if we ask for help, we're weak. If we ask for help, you know what we are? Human. If... No. If... Indeed. If everybody could do everything on their own, there would only be one person here on earth. But there's seven billion of us. So often, uh, obviously, <laughs> it's because we all need to help each other. Absolutely. And it's great that Absolutely. you have given us yeah. those tools, Karen. You've, um, you know, as a leader, you have really led and you've created spaces and tools and scenarios for all of us to utilize so I think uh, that's something to really be commended thank you that's for working on fulfilling my <laughs> purpose right that's I will keep working on it every single day activating people yeah this is why activating it's not just good enough to think about leading with kindness we have to take the first step and give it a try right we have to be active kindness yeah. is, is is an action or a set of mm. actions. So that's my purpose. Activate people, create a better, kinder world. Every time you do one act of kindness, you might think it's a small act of kindness. What difference is it going to make? But it makes a huge positive difference for the person that received it. And it makes a huge positive difference for you because the more you practice, the easier it gets, right? We unlearn old things. <laughs> we learn new things through practice.
you you're starting a movement here karen which you know i think is much needed uh within the community it is it is much needed and and as sharon said earlier it's creating that self-awareness within individuals whether they are in a leadership position or not um and it's it's around that that self-talk um, you know, how are we kind to ourselves first before we exhibit those behaviours out there to those who are looking at us for some guidance or some camaraderie or even friendship, right? Um, so I part of this movement that you're creating, which I find infectious, I think it's it's a beautiful thing. You've started up the Kind School for yes, Leadership, and- haven't you? Thank you. Do you want and to tell us a little bit about when that? You, when I thought about it, you know, lots of times people read a book and then they go on and they read the next book. But if you really want to learn how to do something, what do you do? Yeah. You go to school. You take a class. You practice. Practice. So I decided yeah. we should have a school. And so the new School for Kind Leaders has classes and workshops and is a community for everybody who wants to practice kind leadership. And so our latest class, which is going to be on April 5th, is going to be how to solve a problem kindly. So we have many different systems for solving problems in the agile space, in the lean space. But do we think about, we think about, okay, we're going to solve the problem, but how do we solve the problem? What do we teach people about how to be kind to each other? What culture are we creating? while we solve the problem Mm -hmm. and the truth is as i said before no one is perfectly kind all the time things are not going to go kindly all the time despite one's best effort people are people and when things don't go kindly how do we use that as an opportunity to help people learn a better kinder way to solve a problem so we have a five-step process that we're going to talk about that can be used not instead of any of the other ways that we know but alongside all of the other ways that we know so as well as getting to the root cause and solving a problem we teach people how to not label people as resistors along the way right how to create trust not fear while we're solving the problem and the more, again, we practice how solving problems kindly, the more people will learn how to do that. And when the inevitable problems happen, we'll have a learned process to just create more kindness within our organizations, within our homes, within our families, within the world. Nothing short of inspirational, Karen. Thank you. We will include the links um, to the uh, kind leader, uh, kind leadership um, school uh, in the um, in in on, on all the social media platforms. Okay, so that people can uh, sign Thank up. Thank you so for much. And absolutely, you're brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to both of you for actually sharing kindness and leading with kindness by having this as a topic on your podcast. Now so many people are going to see it. Not at all.
Yeah, we we believe in it. Sharon and I are big believers in in the power of kindness in bringing together teams, um, and in working together and and getting the best out of everyone. So, so yeah, it, it definitely Absolutely. chimes with our values. Absolutely, and you've given us so many tools and tips and techniques, and we love it. We're at that point in the podcast, Karen, where we ask our guests what your key takeaway is from the conversation today. You know, my key takeaway is that all of us need to work on this together. So it doesn't matter. You're in the UK. I'm in the United States. I work in the lean space. You work more in the agile space. It doesn't matter what kind of work we do, where we are in the world, who we are. Every single person wants to be treated kindly. Everyone wants to go to work and feel that their contribution is respected and that people think about them in the way of, I'm a person who wants to do well. And unless we all work together to learn together wherever we are and spread that kindness, that's what's going to create a better, kinder world. So that's really my takeaway. It doesn't matter where we are in the world. We can all work on this together. I love it. And that that is so true. Nisha, how about you? What's your key takeaway? My key takeaway is that kindness that is something that can be developed it does not have to be something that you're born with. It is something that can be developed over time and learnt through practice and enjoyed as well. Because the more you give out, the more you will get back from your team. I've experienced it firsthand. So, yeah, it's a joyful thing um, to, to even practice. It might not be as easy all the time, but it is a joyful thing. Sharon, share us, share with so, us. So I think for me, it's um, as Karen described. And um, sometimes we just need to take that step back and understand that we don't need to label people, and that we need to lead with empathy. So put ourselves in that other person's shoes and understand, as Karen has described, that we are all human, and the labels aren't nice. So let's refrain from using the labels and lead with kindness and, uh, you know, and openness. And that's what creates trust. So that's what I'm taking away from Karen today. So thank you, Karen. Thank you, ladies. It's just been such a joy and an honor to spend this time with you. It's been amazing to spend this time with you. Thank you for making the time. Karen, where can people get hold of you if they want to work with you, if they want to see more of what you're up to, your posts, your lives? Because we know you you pop up quite frequently on my feed and Sharon's feed. It would be great to know um, how people that can get in wonderful. contact. First of all, you can follow me on LinkedIn on my personal page uh, for Karen Ross and also Love and Kindness Project Foundation has a page as does Karen Ross Consulting and... Uh, as does uh, the new school for kind leaders. You can also find information about uh, all of our classes for new school for kind leaders at kindleadership.org. And the Love and Kindness Project Foundation is love and kindness 
www.freedomproject.org. Lots and lots of free downloads there that are perfect for work, perfect for kids, perfect for home. So um, we just want everybody to have everything that they need to practice kindness. Thank you, Karen. I'm sure Sharon and I will also be having a look and signing up uh, to your Definitely. forthcoming courses as well. That would, there, there's nothing that would make me happier. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> it will make us really happy as well. We will share Thank with you. you what we find for sure. Thank you all for watching and listening. Look out for our next video. Please like, follow and subscribe. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again, Karen.